The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. We have another fabulous show, as always, for our Go Green Radio listeners. I am thrilled to death because I've got in my hands a book that is so unique and so cool and so fresh and new that I am so excited to share it with you all. Um, it's called The Third Teacher, and it was just debuted at the National School Boards Association convention just a few weeks ago. We have Trung Lee on with us. He is one of the collaborators on this book. And I, I don't want you to close this web browser. I want you to open a new one and go to this website, www thethirdteacher.com. Now, third is spelled out, T-H-I-R-D. Check out the website. We are going to be talking about this book and the revolutionary ideas contained in it. I am so excited about this. Here's the opening paragraph of the website and the book. I love this. The child starting kindergarten this fall will graduate in the third decade of the 21st century. All we know about the world she will step into is that it will have challenges and opportunities beyond what we can imagine today, problems and possibilities that will demand creativity and ingenuity, responsibility and compassion. Whether this year's kindergarten student will merely survive or positively thrive in the decades to come depends in large measure on the experiences she has in school. That's a powerful statement, and we are excited to have an innovator and a designer who is really taking on this challenge of the 21st century schoolhouse, and that's Trung Lee. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Trung. We are really glad to have you on. Good morning. I'm glad to be on your show. Well, first, I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your background and the firm that you work for. Yes, the last time I did this, I forgot to mention my family, so uh, they might be listening, actually, in their classroom. So I wanted to uh, say hi to my wife, Mary Jo, and my, my four children. Uh, four. Yes, four. Eight. So we're talking to a dad. A lot of our Go Green Radio listeners are very passionate parents and uh, child advocates, so I know that they will appreciate your, your role as a parent as well as a designer. But please, go ahead. Yeah, so so John, Ryan, Sophie, and Christian might be listening in in their school, and you know I I think that's that's a good start because obviously for for me um, you know this is more than just about um, a profession, but truly uh, it's much more personal for a lot of us who are parents as well and and, and having kids in in the uh, school system. Absolutely. Now tell us about uh, the company that you work for and what you do. I mean, I know it. I've read your bio. I'm hoping everybody will read your bio uh, on the Go Green Radio website. But tell us a little bit about OWP. Yes. OWPP is a, an um, architectural engineering firm. Uh, we, we've been in, in, 
in business for about 50 years. We have two offices, um, our headquarters in Chicago and our other offices in, uh, in Phoenix. Uh, we have uh, in-house engineers, uh, structural as well as MEP, and we, um, beyond the uh, education, we also um, have expertise in healthcare, um, in retail, and in, in corporate architecture as well. And uh, so it, it's, we are um, very much um, engaged in this conversation um, on sustainable design and sort of commit ourselves to the AIA 2030 um, goal, mm-hmm. which is to reduce um, the carbon footprint of everything that, that we've designed and built um, uh, within the next 50 years, 30 to 50 years. That's awesome. And you're the design director for OWPP's education group. How did you go from, you know, college student to that, you know, that position? What has been your path? Um, hard work. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, I don't think there's any substitute for that. Hard I work, agree. Sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice and, uh, you know, keep trucking along, I guess. And what drew you to education design? Well, I think the, um, a lot of the things that, that you find your path in is a little bit of luck. Um, I, I started with with OWPNP uh, about two years out of school, and and um, one of the first projects I worked um, there was a uh, school project and um, sort of lead on to the next one, and there was a point where I was completely engaged in what I was doing relative to trying to uh, create architecture that um, – would allow uh, for uh, better uh, teaching and learning. That's awesome. Now, you and I met a few weeks ago in San Diego at the Schools of the 21st Century Symposium that was held the day before the National School Boards Association Convention. And I didn't get to hear your speech because two of my three kids uh, were sick and they were home with dad, but they wanted their mom, so I had to catch an earlier flight home. And I'm sorry that I didn't get to hear your speech. But since then, I've read the book, The Third Teacher, and before we discuss the book, I'd, I'd love for you to tell our listeners how you personally became engaged in this collaborative project which led to the book, and then we'll talk about the book, The Third Teacher, which is blowing my mind. I love this book. Well, I, I think, yeah, I there's some pieces to uh, to this story. Um, and in our studio, I think that we, we've all, always wanted to uh, sort of collect the experience that, that we've had working in the um, education environment for the last 50-something years. I mean, there was a point where um, we wanted to become more involved in the discussion beyond just uh, designing the, the building for it. Um, I, and at the same time this conversation was taking place in our studios, um, Bruce Mao came out with Massive Change, and I'm not sure if you uh, have heard of this publication, but it really, um, in compared to uh, Inconvenient Truth, um, it was a, a much more positive tone in really telling the rest of the world um, the stuff that we are already solving, right? There was like right. a lot of things that, that were on our way in solving. And the communication of, of that design um, really drawn us to um, to, um, to Bruce Mao design. Um, the third piece was that um, VS, which is a German um, furniture company that has a very focused and a long history in designing furniture for a learning environment, invited a few of us uh, from our firm to visit their corporate headquarters in Germany and not only um, were we thrilled with um, the thoughtfulness in which they designed their furniture and, and the research that they had invested in some of the uh, ergonomics and agile furniture for learning, but you know we, we were just very thrilled with just the uh, the culture of the company. Um, one one of the specifics to that is that they they open up their cafeteria to um, literally this this entire community of this very small town. 
Um, and it really became a place where um, you know, older people can actually sort of gather. So we, we, we felt that um, combining um, not just the large scale but also the small scale to um, a visionary um, designer like Bruce Mao mm-hmm. um, created this really diverse uh, diversity of collaboration that, that uh, we wanted to be in place in order to, to make this book um, be meaningful and make an impact on um, somehow try to transform uh, learning and teaching. Well, I, I love it, and I, I love the fact that the book itself is a collaboration, and I think it sets such a great template for how to create these kinds of changes in a community. It's a collaborative effort with many stakeholders around the table. Now, the website for the book I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, but it's truly excellent, and I, I love it. It's www.thethirdteacher.com, and I really can't emphasize enough that our Go Green listeners just really need to check out the website. But Trung, tell us, give us an overview of, of the book, what it is, and who your intended audience is. Yep. You know, I'll, I'll start out um, since, you know, your focus is on sort of sustainable strategies. You know, there's two things that, that I've heard uh, within the last couple of weeks that's, that's still kind of floating in my head. The first is that I, I recently um, saw a, um, a YouTube uh, video of... Um, um, Ken Robinson, uh, Sir Kevin Robinson, I think he lives in L.A., one of the leading uh, advocates for creativity and education. But he was mm-hmm. talking about how California on its, its um, present trends um, is about to, to spend more money on incarcerating people than it is um, on higher education. Um, in Chicago, um, our local um, NPR, uh, WBEZ, ran a story, series of stories where, you know, kind of, Telling that um, basically uh, um, a student in high school has a 50/50 chance of graduating. Wow! And if you if you talk about sustainable strategy, I think that this is two trends that um, is not sustainable. So um, I believe that education is one of the you know the essential uh, element in any kind of a sustainable world. And right now, what we need to do is really reverse that trend. And so. This book, um, this publication, this research is about trying to uncover um, what we perceive to be really working ingredients um, that really engage kids um, to learning, engage the community to um, these community centers, and somehow um, you know, try to reverse the trend um, to a point where we need to prepare, um, in a very sustainable way, we need to prepare the next generation to not only succeed but to solve the problems that we've generated from um, the present generation and, and the previous generation. Well, and, and what's so incredible about what you're suggesting is that it's something that actually started at the genesis of the American public school system. I mean, when Thomas Jefferson was writing the initial papers that would eventually lead to an American public school system, he was talking about this very thing. He was talking about schools and, and education being the anchor of not just our communities, but our way of life, and that in order to promulgate democracy, this brand new, you know, at that time, brand new system of government, it depended upon a well-prepared electorate at every level, and that if we didn't have public school systems with access for kids across socioeconomic levels, 
we would end up with something other than democracy and something other than the society that we fought so hard for um, in the American Revolution. And so um, while a lot of the ideas in the book are brand new, the, the, the underlying core heart of the message is something that we have embraced from the very beginning of our American public school system. And I find it so exciting, the 21st century application of that level of thoughtfulness around what we do with the youngsters in our society. I love it. Yep. And I think that, you know, that that's really great that you mentioned Jefferson. He's, he's certainly one of my, my hero, um, not only as the president, but also um, in this idea of democracy. And and not to, to say that, um, not to put down um, the public education so much, because, you know, it's been asked to do... Um, it's important. Pretty it's absolutely amazing. important. And we're going to talk more about this after we come back from this commercial break. We're here with Trung Lee. Don't go away. We'll be back with more Go Green Radio. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Now, Mrs. Johnson, before we close on your mortgage loan, I want to make sure you remember Mike. Hi. You can trust me. I'm African-American, just like you. So here's the low monthly payments and interest rates we promised, and here's where they triple. The rest of this stuff is just here to make sure that we get your house when you can't pay us back. What a lovely house. Predatory lenders are never this easy to spot. Call us at 866-222-FAIR and protect yourself with the facts. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Fair Housing Alliance and the Ad Council. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. Ah! 
Ugh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We have a really fun guest. He's a dad of four, but he's also an architect. He's a designer, um, and he is on a mission to create schools of the 21st century. And the book that he and some other very talented people have collaborated on called The Third Teacher is the topic of Go Green Radio today. Don't close this web browser as you listen to us on voiceamerica.com, but open a new one and check out the website, www.thethirdteacher.com. And third is spelled out T-H-I-R-D. So check it out. We are here with Trung Lee. Trung, thank you so much for joining us on Go Green Radio. Thank you, Jill, for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. And, you know, I have to tell you, this book, I I took it to my son's track meet yesterday, and I passed it around the grandstands, talking to all the parents. And, of course, in the community where we live, this is where the Go Green Initiative, the program that I run, uh, actually began. So everybody in the stands is familiar with the Go Green Initiative and having green schools. And so I was chatting about showing them the book, and they absolutely loved it. Um, it, It not only is the information... Spot on, really, really good. Um, but the pictures and the look and the feel and the design of the book uh, just make it impossible to put down. I love it. And what I love most about the book is that it is so child-centric, and it really allows people from a variety of backgrounds to coalesce around one shared goal, and that's the well-being of children. And I'm wondering, have you been able to get buy-in from groups like PTA and other child advocacy groups which are known for this kind of an attitude and this kind of work. Yeah, I think we're, we're just starting to, to approach some of that, but certainly um, the reaction that we've gotten from parents and from um, educators, um, from anybody that we expose the book to, it's been very positive. And that, that, that sort of um, speak about the goal that we've had was to create um, a, a very accessible language um, that, that I think can sort of galvanize a movement around how, how we can improve teaching and learning. Well, I think so, and and so often, and this is something that I've tried to kind of address with the Go Green Initiative as well, and that's why I think we're on parallel paths. Um, You know, until the Go Green Initiative came around, when we were talking about environmental education, you might have conferences of environmental educators, and then another conference of teachers, and then, of course, the PTA conventions, and so I set up a yearly annual summit that brought all those groups together, along with local government officials, school board members, and whatnot. And it was really, at the time that we started it, uh, I think our first one was five years ago, um, it was the first national convention of different stakeholder groups uh, from communities galvanizing, like you said, around one topic. We could put it right in the center of the table, children's well-being, 
and the future of children and have all these different stakeholder groups talk about that same goal. And it was kind of a powerful thing. And I really see this book, The Third Teacher, even taking that to another level, including the design world in that. And, and I really think that's an exciting opportunity. Yes, I, I think that um, what we you know the, what what we see right now um, in in really the world is this merging of of disciplines and of mindsets, right? And this I think that's how we're going to be able to solve some of these problems. And I think that um, the problems um, and the challenge of, of of getting kids to be successful in education is no longer um, in the sector of educators and administrators. I think that we all have to participate in it. Um, Parents and even community members. So that that is really the goal of the book is to to really bring all aspects of of, of minds in, into trying to solve what which we perceive to be a very crucial um, uh, you know uh, element that we need we need to be successful as making sure that uh, our, our kids are successful. And um, um, in in one of my colleagues um, from the UK said that uh, which is so simple is that. You know, we want them to be smart and happy forever, and I think that um, mm. you know, that's really that's really is the um, the goal. I love that smart and happy forever. It's so simple and yet so powerful. I really like that. I I want to pick out a couple of quotes from the beginning of the book, and then ask you to discuss the relationship between these two statements. Um, the first comes from an educator, Carl Fish. She says, "We are currently preparing students for jobs that don't yet exist." using technologies that haven't been invented in order to solve problems we don't even know are problems yet. And then, later in, in the beginning part of the book, there's a factoid, and this is what it says. Nearly half of all schools in the U.S. lack the basic electrical wiring to support computers, modems, and other communication technologies. Trung, what does it mean for American kids if we don't rectify this situation? And I guess, more importantly, what can we do? To rectify this situation. Oh man, I, I, you know this is this is quite a um, an explosive um, dichotomy of, of statesmen, isn't it? On, on yeah. one hand, um, we are trying to prepare kids for um, the unknown, right? And on the other hand, we have so much challenges um, right now in in, in the um, um, the infrastructure um, that um, there, there's a sense of. Uh, uh, Sort of a social justice element of that that we also need to solve because the equity is is so outrageous, yeah. and and I think that um, you know we 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 need to invest more um, more resources into our educational system. Um, that that is a fact. I think that um, once once we get over that um, that very simple point of investment um, in our our system is that. If we're going to build new schools, uh, we should use that opportunity to ask very different questions. And I think that there are sort of two mindsets there. There, there is a mindset that says that um, I'm going to solve my population problem. I have 2,000 kids, so I need this many spaces. And I think that there are n- quite a number of clients out there who are saying that, well, um, you know, that, that's the final point. What I want to do is figure out a way for kids to be successful and for kids to engage in learning. And I think if you ask um, those questions first, then the whole process and the result of the architecture to support that becomes quite different. And I think what we need to do is, is ask very different questions than the one we've been asking. Like um, what? Give us some examples. Well, um, I, I, 
we, we need to, just, just like I said, um, if we are designing, um, if we're about to build a new schools in an urban system that we know have challenges, um, not only um, economic challenges, um, racial uh, challenges, um, violence, all of that stuff, and I think the first thing we need to do is what does this community wants to, um, wants to do with this, with, with this opportunity. And the first question I think should be asked is that, what are all the things out there we know will work to make sure that our kids are going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that you have in the book, which I think addresses this issue, um, is allowing classrooms. I mean, and I'm thinking, especially like these urban environments. I live close to Oakland. There's a lot of violence going on there and a lot of communities, uh, community stakeholders saying, you know, we have got to do better for our children. And one of the things that these kids hardly ever get to see is the life outside of Oakland. And if their classrooms were wired in such a way that they could be communicating with kids in other areas, in other parts of the world, you even address this in the book, allowing them to, you know, basically have a, a video conference call with kids in Germany or China or what have you, it suddenly makes the world much bigger than just what they're seeing around them. And even, you know, we, we just step back a little bit, um, one step back from uh, addressing technology. One of the key things that, that we know works right now is that we need to create smaller schools. And if we have a larger population, we need to find a way to break down the population into smaller learning communities. We know that works. And, and the, the simple answer to that is that we, once we do that, we're basically strengthening the, the relationship between a learner to a teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. Those are very fundamental things that we don't think about. We have to, we have. I think we have to stop building these giant um, factory like high school that kids are just lost in the system. And and what we're doing is that we're just optimizing it. We're not thinking about um, that the essential elements of what are what what are the things we need to think about in order to to make this kid successful. Not let uh, he or she drop out of school. Uh, and more than that, engage them in, in, into thinking that learning is a lifelong thing and learning is actually really fun. And, and I think that if we get back to, to these fundamental questions, um, the result will be much different. Right now, I think we're just trying to make things too efficient um, and, and this idea of, of, of making things more optimizing rather than trying to recognize the fact that each one of us, each one of the kids actually learn very differently. Their, their brain is actually wired very differently. So it's require a, a, a much different approach and thinking in, into the curriculum, into the environment, um, and into the relationship um, of, of, of that child to the, to the teacher. Well, and I liked something else that you mentioned in the book. You know, the first thing that a lot of people think of when we start talking about smaller schools and, and that sort of thing is, oh, my gosh, the cost per student. You know, we're going to drive the cost of these schools up. But when you look at... The, the total cost of, uh, for lack of a better word, cost of ownership of a human being in the United States, and you look at uh, the cost for our, our penal system, jails, and health care, and all these things that are impacted by either a good school experience, K through 12, or a bad one, uh, experiences that either promote good health and successful engagement in society or those that don't, the, co- the total cost of ownership of a person in the United States has to be taken into account when we look at the cost that we're willing to invest in schools. And um, that's something really, really important that you addressed in the book. And, and I'd like to touch on that a little bit more after we go to commercial break. But um, 
We'll be right back with Tong Lee and more discussion on the book, The Third Teacher. Just a few moments. Don't go away. More Go Green Radio right after this. News, news, opinion, opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. How are you guys? Tell me. I'm getting some emails on gogreenradio at gmail.com, but I want you to be less shy. It's okay. Trung and I are so nice. Call in. If you've got a question for Trung Lee, if you want to talk about the third teacher, go ahead and call us, 866-472-5788. I love to get your emails, and I will respond to each one of them, but I'd also love for you to call in, so don't be shy. We are back with Trung Lee. He's one of the contributors to an awesome book that I really want you to get your hands on. Um, You can check out the website at www.thethirdteacher.com. And once again, third is spelled out, T-H-I-R-D. And uh, I just am wild about the whole concept of the third teacher, the environment around students being one of the teachers. Um, Trung has had a very successful project in the Cayman Islands, and I'm really excited to have him share that experience with us. The project sounds absolutely fascinating. So, Trung, if you would, share with our Go Green Radio listeners what you all did there in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, first thing I want to talk about is not so much what we did. Um, the schools, uh, two, of the, two out of the three schools are under construction right now. But the first thing is what um, that that tiny little um, country did, um, recognizing that the system, the, the current educational system was failing their kids. 
um, the Minister of Education held a, um, a national summit where he invited basically everybody to come to the summit and to express uh, and to come up with solutions uh, on how they can improve their um, the educational system. That was documented. And so the, 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 the project is not so much the building. The project is about systematic change. It's about um, reinventing curriculum to engage kids. It's about um, teacher trainings uh, to make sure that teachers have the resources, um, technology, as well as, as new skills to, 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 to teach kids in the 21st century. And lastly, um, the environment, the, the third teacher, um, really becomes um, uh, enforcement to a new attitude and uh, a new approach on how learning and teaching is taking place. Well, and tell us how all of this unfolded. So uh, there was a national summit, and then what? And then um, um, the, the design team uh, was pulled together, um, and we conducted a series of, of workshops, very much collaborating with um, teachers, uh, community members, students, um, and administrators, uh, and, and um, other um, really advocates for, for change on the island. And just through a very intensive uh, one week, uh, Charette literally working, um, you know, throughout the night and pre presenting the, the ideas back, uh, we arrived at a, a very unique uh, scheme. Um, there's there is a gentleman that I um, that that really I need to acknowledge. Uh, his name is Professor Stephen Heppel. He's a um, one of the leading um, UK um, educators that are trying to bring change to to learning and teaching. And he was really the, the spiritual force um, that was helping uh, the Ministry of Education in, in the Cayman Island um, make make these changes. And it, it was it was him who really enlightened us on, on new ways, on new thinking um, that affect how we were to design the environment uh, for teaching and learning. And one of the, the, the I mean, I can list a series of, of, of concepts behind the school. One of which is I've, that we talked about earlier is that. Somehow you have to create small learning communities to reinforce that sense of, of uh, um, relationship between um, not only between just the students um, to their peers, but between the adults and, and the kids as well. The other thing is that there's a recognition, um, and, and a lot of this has been written up by um, Howard Garner, um, educators and psychologists at Harvard, that um, agreed upon the fact that um, intelligence is, is very complex, and uh, his idea is that um, Intelligent comes in, 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 in multiple forms, the multiple intelligent theories. Right. And, and lastly is that we all learn very differently. We use different modes, some very visual, some very um, oral, some require both, some need the, experience, the experience, uh, experiential learning aspect to it. They have to do it in order to, to um, pull in, the, in that knowledge. So it, it really unfold um, in the environment that we no longer can have double-loaded corridor situation where classrooms are so, sort of self-contained. But we need to build in very specifically to that uh, the multiple intelligence, the idea of collaboration, the idea of merging uh, art and science um, into uh, a space that allows for more creativity and more innovation uh, in a child that you actually, uh, like Da Vinci, uh, Da Vinci, um, using both sides of your brain in tackling a problem rather than just one side. So all of that um, really um, unfolded in a very unique and different learning and teaching environment than what we have seen over the last, um, I would say, last um, 200 years. Wow. And tell us about the sustainability aspect of this project. Uh, yes. 
Um, how, how did that unfold? The sustainability actually is, is actually quite uh, remarkable. Um, and, you know, it's more than just about conserving energy and material resources. I think that that, that we know needs to happen. But um, it, it is also about resources because um, these schools uh, also um, hurricane shelters. Um, oh. That's Category 5, um, given what Ivan did um, to the Cayman Island in 2003. Uh-huh. Um, we had to raise certain building up above sea level um, to make sure that when there's a water surge um, that it's not flooded out. Um, there's medical clinics in, in the main building. There's, um, there's a dental clinic in the main buildings. Um, so in terms of sustainability and maintaining um, you know, limited resources, uh, it, and they're quite pervasive um, in a way that it is literally um, serving multiple purposes beyond just learning and teaching. Well, and that's one of the things that we talked about at the Schools of the 21st Century Symposium was this dual idea of sustainability in terms of uh, conserving and preserving natural resources. I mean, schools are like little cities, and they can use a lot of water and a lot of energy and throw away a lot of things into the waste stream, or not, if we design them properly, but also sustainability in terms of durability, building buildings that will last. Um, I, myself, have seen a school torn down and rebuilt, and the school was only 30 years old, and that created a whole lot of waste. Um, a whole lot of energy that if that building had been built to last, sustainable in its truest sense, not only would it be, you know, uh, very sustainable from an environmental protection situation, but also um, from a, a longevity of use of the materials sustainable. And if you're building um, buildings in the Cayman Islands that have to withstand Category 5 hurricanes, I mean, that's, that's what I call built to last. That's sustainable in the truest sense. Yes, I, I think that, that that's certainly one of their goal was, was to make sure that the building um, lasts, um, it's durable, um, and it can survive, um, you know, that kind of uh, environmental impact. And, and, and certainly um, there was a tr- tremendous amount of focus on um, the indoor air quality. Um, the, 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 the one of the things that we, we um, you know, we forget is that materials do uh, degenerate, and when they do that, um, they put particles into the air that that kids are breathing in. So, um, you know, we 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 all know that now. That is that is a a, a very um, a current trend to make sure that the materials that we pick um, inside is is easy to maintain. That doesn't require heavy chemical because mm-hmm. that also adds to the deterioration of the indoor air quality. But but that it, it also serves other purposes like uh, acoustic, which is huge um, that haven't been talked about greatly in sustainable strategies as well. Because kids, you know, they, they, they need to hear well because they're not fully developed yet. All of their system are still um, evolving in a way. So um, it, it just gets um, to the level of detail that you really have to think about a lot of the, the things uh, relative to um, the, the, the indoor uh, environment of a, of, a, of a school. Well, and, and it's as though you read my mind because indoor air quality is a huge issue. When we start talking about green schools or green homes or, or any kind of green structure, and actually in the book you mentioned that asthma is the leading cause of school absenteeism, uh, accounting for, I don't know, several million missed school days a year. And oftentimes that also means that a parent is missing work to be home with a sick child. That's actually happened, you know, many times with my third child, she's asthmatic. And so not only are children losing learning time, but companies are losing productivity. And that's a, that's a national issue as well. Talk about how 
um, ecologically designed schools can help alleviate this problem of, of asthma and absenteeism. Yeah, I think I think we started talking about materials that you pick um, need to um, maintain that that sense of quality, uh, low VOC, no off-gassing, easy to clean that doesn't require heavy chemical, um, and and we know there are materials like that out there that just require water to clean. Um, natural ventilation, um, even even in Chicago, um, there there's plenty of days that we can open up windows and allow for for breeze to flow through to bring in the fresh air from the outside in. So I think that all of that um, require a lot of, of, of systematic thinking, um, network thinking about how we can design an environment that actually, design a building that actually allows it to breathe um, a little bit more naturally rather than just sealing it up and, and heating it and cooling it. That's so true. And, you know, one of the things that, that I really um, found interesting in the book, and, and I've, I've read this before, but I'm hoping you can talk about this a little bit more, um, is the fact that children are so much more vulnerable um, to toxins than adults um, and, and why it's so important for schools to take that into account. First of all, why is that true, that children are more vulnerable to, you know, these uh, VOC gases and toxins in cleaners and things like that? What is it about their bodies that makes them more susceptible to harm? Yeah, we, we literally dedicated the first chapter to what we call basic needs. And I think that when we, when we talk about, um, sustainable strategies, you know, we, we can't forget the fact that there are certain basic needs. And, and a lot of this is biological, uh, obviously. Um, simple things like, you know, um, a child actually breathe, um, breathe more than an adult. Um, so they take in more air, um, and they're actually, um, more active, um, which contribute to um, um, you know, a greater level of, of breathing that they do. They're smaller, so they're closer to the ground. I mean, some of the things that we just don't think about, so they're closer to the carpet or the, the, the tile that um, might require um, heavy chemical that, that, uh, to keep it clean. You know, every school that we go into now, we, we can't escape the VCT, um, which is in, in a lot of the schools, and that's require waxing. Um, oh. that's, that's expensive as well as, you know, all the chemical that, 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 that it's uh, off-gassing. So um, I think that the first chapter is just um, gives you a, a very um, broad understanding of just the, the biology of, of, uh, of a growing body. Um, the second chapter um, talks about furniture and, and how um, at the biological sense that um, you know, we as human beings literally need to move, um, and, and, and that's how we evolve. We, we move. Um, and mm-hmm. until this day, um, every time, you know, I, 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 after I, li- I listened to Dr. Bridger, I, I stopped telling my kids to stop moving when they eat because that's just the natural state is that they move. So right. even that's simple right. furniture needs to have that, that sense of, of, of give. To allow well, kids we need to respect those little bodies, and we're going to talk more about that. After we come back from this commercial break, so don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. They say it's from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote. And then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Do you know what the most complex piece of your business capital investment is? Is it the technology? Is it the infrastructure? Could it be the office and corporate structure? The most complex piece of your business capital investment is the human being. Return on Human Capital is a unique program that discusses some of the most important issues facing leaders in business. Join your hosts, Howard Pines and Jay Santamaria, for Return on Human Capital, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are in our final segment of this installment. We're with Trung Lee. He's one of the authors and contributors to a great book that you really need to check out. It's called The Third Teacher. The website is www.thethirdteacher.com, and it basically is talking about how the environment around kids is as much a part of their learning experience as the curriculum, as the teaching, uh, the aids, and all of that, that we're really trying to design learning environments that help our children succeed to the greatest extent possible. And Trung is not only an architect and a designer of schools, he's a dad of four. So he knows. He knows kids. Trung, we're so excited that you are on Go Green Radio. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you, Jill. Now, you live in Chicago. I'm from Illinois. I don't know if I told you this, but I actually went to the University of Illinois. My husband's from Chicago. I live in California now, but uh, I always keep an eye out for Chicago sports and Chicago politics. Is there anything else in Chicago? I'm not sure. But um, in the book, you mentioned that uh, Mayor Daley uh, has been championing a green roof zoning law and, and some zoning that's going on so that I believe, if I'm correct, the book said about 25% of every new roof whether it's uh, commercial or nonprofit, schools included, has to be a green roof, no exceptions. Now, a lot of times you see communities putting zoning requirements in for new development, for housing, or for commercial buildings. But this is pretty revolutionary, I think, that the city of Chicago 
has actually made zoning requirements that could have a big impact on local schools. Tell us about those zoning requirements and, and what the upshot of that um, movement is by Mayor Daley. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think one of the things we're very proud of living in Chicago, besides being such an amazing city, is that the mayor had this vision that he wants Chicago to be one of the greenest cities in the world. And I think that the, to that end, there's a recognition of the fact that, you know, sustainable strategy is sort of a network. It's not just one building um, or a series of buildings. It's, it's literally the entire city. And and then um, that I think that thinking um, is what shaped uh, some of those uh, the zoning in terms of um, new buildings um, requiring uh, 25% of its new roof uh, being vegetative, and I think that um, it 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 sort of speaks toward that idea of reducing um, uh, the, the island heat effect that has let's a talk about uh, what is some people may not know what a green roof is, so let's talk about that uh, and the benefits of a green roof to begin with. Well, I think that there's really two basic ideas between a four green roof. Um, one is a, a vegetative roof, right, where you where you actually grow um, grow plants, um, and the most common is, is sedum, and it's in a system where um, when it when it rains, um, this green roof helps collect water, and and when it does that, it allows you to decrease the amount of infrastructure that that you need to to build in order to manage that water. Um, we call it, you know, right now there's a technical name for it called stormwater management, and I think that um, there's a point where we recognize that water is really a resource. It's not something we need to, to manage. And and to that green roof, uh, it, it does a, a few other things. First of all, it provides additional insulation um, to the building, so it, the building is not absorbing the energy of the sun, uh, which requires the internal system to actually have to cool it. Um, the, the great case that, 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 that we've heard is that... Um, um, the, the city building um, has a green roof on it, whereas the, uh, the, the county side does not. It, it shares one building. The mayor put a green roof over the city uh, portion of that building, and from what, what my understanding is, there's like a 70-degree uh, temperature difference between uh, the roof with, with, without vegetation versus the roof with it. So if wow. you see um, how it, it, the domino effect of the system having to make up to cool um, that um, that additional 70 degrees temperature um, at, at that roof level is, is quite remarkable relative to energy. Um, I think that the other kind of green roof is just a reflective roof, um, something's a uh, white reflective roof that allows that reflection to bound some of that energy off um, so the building is not absorbing it. And then that's when we lead on to, you know, the, the, the heat island effect is if, um, somehow we need to reduce um, the higher temperature um, in, in cities because it really affects the quality of life and affects um, the amount of energy we have to cool um, all of the buildings down. So the, the one simple idea behind sustainable strategy is that it has this uh, connectedness to, to the entire system, so you have to really think about it um, more, more collectively rather than just trying to attack um, one strategy um, at right. a time. So basically, by creating this zoning law, Mayor Daly has got a couple things in mind. If Tell me if I'm wrong. First of all, cool the city down. And secondly, save energy as a city. Use less energy. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, the last thing is that it's it's more beautiful. Um, if, you know, there's a mm. series of high rises, you look down, you, you know, I'd rather, certainly rather see gardens rather than, um, you know, see, see white roofs. So... 
um, and never forget this idea that, you know, the environment that we create um, is for us and the environment needs to be beautiful um, because we live in it. That's really true. That's a great point. So do you think that, you know, what, what Mayor Daly has done in Chicago will end up becoming sort of the wave of the future when it comes to city zoning? Well, I hope so. Uh, I, I know that, um, you know, there's a huge struggle. We, we've talked about cost before. Um, it's not cheap. And one of the essential things to sustainable strategy is that you have to project uh, the payback to it. Um, and, and a lot of times what happens is that the upfront cost tends to override uh, a lot of these sustainable strategies. So I think that what, what we, what we want to make sure is keep the conversation going, keep the movement going forward. Um, it's, 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 I think it's beyond the tipping point now to a certain extent that everybody's very much focused on it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that um, as we go forward, it uh, becomes more of something that we, we want to do rather than we have to do, right? So Absolutely. back to the, the carrot versus the stick again. Well, and in the current economy, where do you see the most opportunity for what you're championing, the design ideas and design mentality uh, that you're championing, where do you see the most opportunity? Is there a geographic region or a, a demographic region or, or a certain concept in sustainable design that you see as an immediate opportunity even in this economy? Um, absolutely. I think that um, you know, we will need to rebuild a lot of schools, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the schools that we built um, were 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a there's, there was a wave, and the second wave is coming. And when we rebuild these these schools, um, beyond sustainable strategy, and I think that that's that's an incredible ingredient to it. But we really have to ask fundamental questions of of uh, curriculum and teaching methodology, new pedagogy that's more appropriate for 21st century um, to to the cowfish um, quote that that you mentioned earlier. And try to answer those questions, and I think if we, we raise those questions as a community, as a country, and as a world, um, we will lead to much different answers, which will lead to a different environment that is much more sustainable, not only in terms of the physical environment, but also making sure that um, future generation is going to succeed and, and succeed in such a way that will help us solve the problems that we have now and on to the future. Well, and that's a, that's a really powerful vision, Trung, and I think um, it's really inspiring. And I'm hoping that our Go Green Radio listeners will join you in this movement. I mean, part of what you recommend in the book is starting a movement. And for those of you who are fired up and say, hey, this is what I want for my children, this is what I want for my community, I'm going to recommend that you start by looking at the website, which, again, is www.thethirdteacher.com. And, uh, and this is really a, a powerful concept. I think this really is the wave of the future. And what I love the most about it is that it kind of follows the Go Green Initiative motto that I have, have developed, Trung, and that is... All schools prepare our children for the future, but Go Green Schools prepare the future for our children. And I think you're doing that, too. Thank you so much for joining us, Song. Thank you for joining us, Go Green Radio listeners. We'll be back next week with more of the same, so tune in to Go Green Radio.
you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.